Overconsumption will consume us. It is a spiritual addiction. The accumulation of worldly things to an excess will testify against us at that day. It is an obvious statement of the heart's condition. Jesus said in Matthew 6:21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It is an individual's responsibility to prepare for his or her particular needs and those of his or her family, such as food, lodging, retirement, etc. But those who layer on obscene excesses do testify of where their treasure is. Years ago, a man I was speaking to about salvation said he was going to spend the worldly wealth that he accumulated satisfying his natural desires and then articulated the old jaded and foolish line, You can't take it with you. His carnal position was correct, but I asked him if he would like to know how to send it on ahead. In the verses in Matthew 6, 19 and 20 that precede the verse quoted above, Jesus states, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Jesus was telling us how to send it on ahead. Sending it on ahead begins at a place called born again. At this point, one believes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, repents of and turns from his sins, and begins to follow Christ. At this place, Jesus calls born again. One has entered the kingdom of God, and his eternal savings account is opened. Here we bring our tithes and our love offerings of money and time, etc. It's here where we help underwrite the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves sinners, heals the sick, feeds the genuinely poor, ministers to the widows and orphans, and more. Concerning this life, Job 1.21 states, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Have you been born again? Would you like to open your eternal savings account today, which will be your gift to the Lord of glory at that day? Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. This is God Said, Man Said feature article number 520 that proves the full veracity of the word of God revealed in the Textus Receptus found today in the authorized version of the King James Bible. These features are archived in text and streaming audio for the edification and strengthening of the faith of the redeemed and for the salvation of the lost. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Welcome. May the face of the Lord shine upon you with light and truth. God said, Matthew thirteen thirty six through 43, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto him, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. 
The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. God said, Zechariah chapter 13, from verse 8 through chapter 14, verse 4, And it shall come to pass, that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. And behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. Man said, These foolish doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end of this world, and certainly no judgment day. Now the record. On God said, Man said, there is housed the series dubbed the 21 Signs of Doomsday. It is shocking to discover how many Christians are willingly oblivious to the clear reality that the Bible teaches the end of the world as we know it at the Battle of Armageddon. At this point, Satan is bound up in the bottomless pit, and Jesus Christ reigns the thousand-year reign, commonly known as the millennium. After the thousand-year reign, Satan is loosed from his prison for a short time to muster the carnal to one final challenge to the Word of God. Then, Second Peter chapter 3, 10 through 13, But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. What's directly in front of the bloodbath is the great taking up of the church to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds, and then shortly thereafter return with him to the battle of Armageddon. God said, man said, strongly recommends the reading of the 21 Signs of Doomsday series. This series will be listed at the end of this feature. It is high time to set your house in order. It is high time for every believer to examine himself, whether he be in the faith. Automatic pilot just won't do. For proper perspective, several paragraphs follow from 21 Signs of Doomsday, Israel Isolated. Israel is the focal point of the dreaded Battle of Armageddon, which will bring this world system to a deadly, devastating end. Israel is a very small country. 
All of Israel, including Golan and the West Bank, is only half the size of San Bernardino County in California. Most Arab states, with the exceptions of Egypt and Jordan, and now changes in the air, are in a declared or undeclared state of war with Israel. These nations want Israel wiped off the map. Why such a vitriol focused on such a little piece of real estate? The answer is simple. It is the world's hatred and rejection of God and all that he favors. All the world's nations will gather against tiny Israel to finally, once and for all, eliminate the remaining seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham are the children of faith. Galatians chapter 3, 16 and 19. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. It should be no surprise that the militant Muslims, uh, their hate is heavily concentrated on the Jewish people and on Christians because of the commonality of the seed of Abraham. Just prior to the great battle of Armageddon, events will have transpired, as we read in the prophecy of Zechariah, that will isolate the remnant of the seed of Abraham into half of what's left of the city of Jerusalem. The born-again will have been taken from the earth to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds, commonly called the rapture. Those who give their lives to Christ after that point will refuse to take the mark of the beast and will consequently be put to death, as well as God's two last day's prophets. The remaining Jews hold up in Jerusalem will basically be all that's left of the seed of Abraham. Satan's armies will be focused on their destruction. Unfortunately for the world, God has a different plan. The following excerpt is from the May 28, June 4, 2009 issue of the International Jerusalem Post. In the Pew Global Attitudes Project Spring 2007 survey, Palestinian respondents still said by 77 to 16 percent, they felt that the rights and needs of the Palestinian people cannot be taken care of as long as the state of Israel exists, end of quote. The Israeli people are shocked by the hatred from the Obama administration. Laura Ingram, while interviewing Carolina Click of the Jerusalem Post, asked her how the Israelites saw the situation. The following paragraph is from Paxelsblogs.com. Click said that President Obama is viewed dimly by Israelis and President Benjamin Netanyahu is seen as protecting their interests. She said that the settlements vary in size from small outlets to some of several thousands, and many are strategic in Israel's defense and their economy. She said that Obama is abandoning Israel, not only in the West Bank, but also in Jerusalem. Glick said that Obama is trying to corner Israel on the Middle East situation, trying to put limits on defense parts and activities. Glick said that George Mitchell has accused the Israelis of lying, which has been disgusting to Israelis. End of quote. Benjamin Netanyahu, the new Israeli leader, has voiced his concern about U.S. replacement parts for their American-made fighter jets. $800 million has been given to the terrorist organization Hamas for the rebuilding of the Gaza Strip. Jimmy Carter wants Hamas taken off the terrorist list. He wants Hamas to be mainstreamed. President Obama gave a nod to Iran for the peaceful pursuit of nuclear power. From CarolineGlick.com, we find the following. Last Friday, Yidat Aharonot 
reported that at a recent lecture in Washington, U.S. Lieutenant General Keith Dayton, who was responsible for training Palestinian military forces in Jordan, indicated that if Israel does not surrender Judea and Samaria within two years, the Palestinian forces he and his fellow American officers are now training at the cost of more than $300 million could begin killing Israelis, end of quote. Israel is being bullied into a very precarious place. The nations of the earth are lining up against her, just as God said, doomsday is knocking, end of quote. This is February 2011, and the Middle East is in turmoil. Things are moving rapidly. Egypt, the only Muslim nation at peace with Israel, is in for serious change. A major force in the revolution now going on in Egypt is a group Secretary of State Hillary Clinton said would sit at the negotiating table. The group is called the Muslim Brotherhood. This group of Muslim extremists are, were founded in Cairo in 1928. The Muslim Brotherhood believes in the establishment of a fundamentalist Islamic state supporting the strictest version of Sharia law and, of course, the elimination of the Jewish people. Columnist Yahaf Lapin wrote the following in the February 4 through February 10, 2011 issue of the International Jerusalem Post. Poda, of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem's Department of Islamic and Middle Eastern Studies, said that while the exact popularity of the Brotherhood cannot be measured due to the lack of democracy in Egypt, 2005's parliamentary elections did see 88 Muslim Brotherhood representatives who ran as independents to bypass the law voted into the 454 member of parliament, end of quote. The Brotherhood is the largest and most organized anti-government group in Egypt. The headline in the February 4, 2011 issue, the International Jerusalem Post reads, Clueless in Washington, and the subhead reads, Does the U.S. fail to understand what will happen to its strategic interest in the region if the Muslim Brotherhood either forms the next regime or is the power behind the throne of the next regime in Cairo? The following excerpts are from that feature. According to a Pew Opinion survey of Egyptians from June 2010, 59% said they back Islamists. Only 27% said they back modernizers. Half of Egyptians support Hamas, 30% support Hezbollah, and 20% support Al-Qaeda. Moreover, 95% of them would welcome Islamic influence over their policies. When this preference is translated into actual government policy, it is clear that the Islam they support is the Al-Qaeda Salafist version. What all of this makes clear is that if the regime falls, the successor regime will not be a liberal democracy. Mubarak's military authoritarianism will be replaced by Islamic totalitarianism. The U.S.'s greatest Arab ally will become its greatest enemy. What has most confounded Israeli officials and commentators alike has not been the strength of the anti-regime protesters, but the American response to them. Outside the far-left commentators from all major newspapers, radio, and television stations have variously characterized the U.S. response to events in Egypt as irrational, irresponsible, catastrophic, stupid, blind, treacherous, and terrifying. 
They have pointed out that the Obama administration's behavior, as well as that of many of its prominent conservative critics, is liable to have disastrous consequences for the U.S.'s other authoritarian uh, Arab allies, for Israel, and for the U.S. itself. The question most Israelis are asking is, why are the Americans behaving so destructively? Why are President Barack Obama and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton charting a course that will necessarily lead to the transformation of Egypt into the first Salafist Islamic theocracy? When due to U.S. pressure, the Palestinians were given the opportunity to vote in open and free elections in 2006, they voted for Hamas and its totalitarian agenda. When due to U.S. pressure, the Egyptians were given limited freedom to choose their legislators in 2005, where they, could, uh, where they elected the totalitarian Muslim Brotherhood to lead them. The failure of his elections policy convinced Bush to end his support for elections in the last two years in office. It is this anti-colonialist paradigm with its foundational assumption that the U.S. has no right to criticize non-Westerners that has formed the Obama administration's foreign policy. It was the anti-colonialist paradigm that caused Obama not to support the pro-Western protesters seeking the overthrow of the Iranian regime in the wake of the stolen 2009 presidential elections. As Obama put it at this time, it's not productive given the history of U.S.-Iranian relations to be seen as meddling, the U.S. president meddling in the Iranian elections. And it is this anti-colonialist paradigm that has guided Obama's courtship of the Syrian, Turkish, and Iranian regimes and his unwillingness to lift a hand to help the March 14 movements in Lebanon. Anti-colonialists colonialists by definition must always support the most anti-Western forces as authentic. In light of Mubarak's 30-year alliance with the U.S., it makes sense that Obama instincts would place the U.S. president on the side of the protesters. This presents a daunting, perhaps insurmountable challenge for the U.S.'s remaining authoritarian Arab allies in Jordan and Saudi Arabia until now. Restive publics have been fearful of opposing their leaders because of the U.S. support for them. Now that the U.S. is abandoning its most important ally and siding with its worst enemies, the Hashemites and the Sauds don't look so powerful to their Arab streets. The same can be said for the Kuwaiti leadership and the pro-American political forces in Iraq. As for Israel, America's behavior towards Israel should put to rest the notion that Israel can make further territorial uh, sacrifices in places like the Golan Heights and the Jordan Valley in exchange for U.S. security guarantees. U.S. behavior today and the across-the-board nature of American rejection of Mubarak is a clear sign as one can find that U.S. guarantees are not credible. As Professor Barry Rubin wrote this week, there is no good policy for the United States regarding the uprising in Egypt, but the Obama administration may be adopting something close to the worst option. Unfortunately, given the cluelessness of the U.S. foreign policy debate, this situation is only likely to grow worse. End of quote. Consider these points. Several weeks ago, while their leaders sat with President Obama, Lebanon was being taken over by the Iran-backed terrorist organization Hezbollah. 
Egypt is in for dramatic change, which looks very bleak for the continuation of the Egyptian-Israeli peace treaty. The Muslim Brotherhood wants to destroy the nation of Israel. Demonstrations have been called for in Syria to drive them into a more extremist position. The King of Jordan is taking measures to offset potential riots. Tunisia is experiencing extremist upheaval. The leader of Iran wants to bring on Armageddon, his words, and wants to annihilate the Jewish people. The Ishmaelites, Muslim nations, are collating into a noose around the neck of the nation of Israel. Israel is surrounded by those who have vowed to eat their flesh and drink their blood. The timing is right for Zechariah chapter 14. Things aren't looking good for this world's people. The skies are dark and ominous. It's beginning to rain heavily. But for the children of God, the picture could not be more beautiful. Now consider these points. Jesus Christ will soon return for the redeemed, and we will be caught up to meet him in the clouds. We will then be immortal. We will return with Jesus Christ to the battle of Armageddon, where Satan's armies will be destroyed. The remnant of the children of Israel will become Christians. Satan will be cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, and the first voice, Jesus Christ, will reign upon the earth. Swords will be beaten in the plowshares, and we will learn war no more. You're looking at the perfect picture of the 180. Set your life in order. Time is growing very short. Doomsday is on the horizon. God said, Matthew 13, uh, verses 36 through 43. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. God said, Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. Man said, These foolish doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end of this world, and certainly no judgment day. Now you have the record.